0: Hello, and welcome to the That's My Truth podcast. This podcast features interviews and discussions about everything from career and wellness to friendship and social issues and beyond. I'm your host, Juliana, and I'm so excited that you're tuning in today. Hello, and welcome to the That's My Truth podcast. I'm your host, Juliana, and I'm so glad that you tuned in today. So thank you for joining If it is your first episode, welcome. If you're a returning listener, welcome back. Thanks so much for tuning in. I am recording this today from Connecticut where I'm visiting my family for a few weeks. So a little change in scenery, but this episode will be released on Christmas Eve. So if you do celebrate Christmas, I hope that you have a safe and happy holiday, even though things may look a little different this year. So... I am up here with my dogs, Muckers, so we have four dogs and a cat in the house. There's a lot of activity, especially since one of the dogs is a puppy. Um, but I will... Now let's get into the episode. So that's a little catch up. Um, so today's interview is with Karina Carlson from Well Wellbred. She is incredible, so I know that you will enjoy this episode. It's very inspiring and... She shares a lot of insightful, inspirational little bits. So, I hope that you enjoy this interview. So, hello. I'm very excited today. I'm joined by Karina from Well Read. And to start us off, Karina, why don't you introduce yourself?
1: Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. So, like you said, my name is Karina. I'm the founder of Well Read. and it's been uh, it was it's been since 2018. So. Been a little over two years since I founded it and what Well Red is we are a community of people who meet right now on the internet <laughs> uh, but previously met one to two times a month in real life and what those events and gatherings were were one half physical practice wellness practice so that happened at the beginning so that could be anything from bar, which I teach, yoga, a high intensity interval training to something a little bit more holistic, like a guided meditation or a Reiki energy healing. So we do that collectively at the beginning to really connect us as a group, even if we don't know each other. And then in the second half of the event is an article discussion, hence, well read. So the articles are curated based on what's really topically relevant at the time. And the reason that I selected articles was because I wanted it to be accessible from both a financial and a time perspective. Um, I've definitely been guilty of being part of too many book clubs and shit like that Of being like, my favorite part was the first part because that's what I read. <laughs> so that's what Wild Red is. And right now we're in sort of a transitional stage. And I'm happy to speak a little bit more about that. But that's me. I know that we've been trying to get this conversation on the books because I just got done with an almost three month cross country (laughs) road trip, which I can speak to a little later too, if you'd like.
0: Yes, definitely. That sounds awesome. Your road trip. um, We can talk more about that later on. Um, But it's funny, as you were describing Well Read, it kind of describes me of how you end every yoga practice with Shavasana. Mm-hmm. I know there's like scientific backing to the benefits of Shavasana, but um, it's just very interesting. You do the activity first and then you reflect and kind of digest everything. And I think that's such a nice balance. So I love that. Um, so, my first question is what inspired you to start WellRed?
1: Yeah, I was at a very transitional moment in my life. So I was leaving a job and beginning a new one, but there were um, legal reasons why I wasn't allowed to start my my second job. Um, so there was a three month window where I was very fortunate that the job that I was incoming was really generous and said, you know, we'll wait for the three months to make sure that we're sort of above board. It was awesome. Um, that company was The Atlantic, and I have so much respect for them. I had an amazing experience there. I'm no longer with them, but um, it's like the X where you're like, I really loved you, and you were great, and it's really not you, and it's not me, um, and I'm so happy for our memories together. But like I said, that there was this sort of three-month limbo period, and I had just come off of being an event planner and associate creative director for a media company. So I had the skill set to, to do events. I had time on my hands. I'm inherently a creative person. So there was this perfect vacuum of space, time, opportunity uh, for me to explore the side of myself. And this was also on the heels of my dad having a stroke a couple of months beforehand. And that was my first brush firsthand with seeing the fragility of life and seeing <laughs> How truly a moment can change everything. I think that you see it in movies, you read it in books, and it touches you because we're empathetic beings that are inherently connected. But when you see it happen to somebody like your dad or your sister or your best friend, it hit it hits it hits different. I mean, I remember, you know, being with him in the hospital and him not being able to speak to me and You know, him looking at me, and I could see that intellectually he was there, but he wasn't able to communicate with me what he wanted to say. Um, And I think important backdrop is that this is the person who taught me how to communicate, who taught me how to read, and instilled in me a love of reading. I have very vivid memories of us, you know, reading the Harry Potter series together, him early on reading to me, because I couldn't quite yet. And then as, as I grew older me starting to read a little bit. And he also instilled in me a love of moving my body. He ran marathons, he played soccer, and to see somebody go from fully capable to not able to speak and move your body, I think jars you in a way and puts a lot of things in perspective that I think you know this year has done for so many of us too. And Well Read is an homage and a love letter to him but also to me and my body, to you and your body, um, to you and your mind. So that's, again, sort of why there was that structure that I put in place where we do something really good for the physical body, but then we also flex this amazing creative muscle that we have in our heads, our brains. So that was the inspiration for it. And it's evolved over time. But I hope that answered your question.
0: Yes, absolutely. That's um Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, that's very moving. I guess I'm just curious, how is your dad um, today? He is doing much better. Okay, oh,
1: you know, um, he's different, mm-hmm. you know, where, where once we would, whenever we would go down to visit him in Asheville, which is where he retired we would go on hikes together as a family, um, and now that looks a little different. He's regained his ability to walk, which is incredible, an incredible feat, especially after a severe stroke. He's able to speak again, albeit more slowly. Um, he's able to write again. It's really it's really messy, <laughs> but he could do it. Um, and I think that that's, again, a testament to the fact that he loves all of those things that he taught me to do and cherish so much. And so now, again, seeing how he's been able to recover it, but it's never the same, also reinstills the fact that it's precious, all of these things that we're able to do.
0: Definitely. Wow. Thank you for sharing again. Oh, thanks that's um, Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So I know that well-read is your full-time job So I was, well, I know you have other things that you do, but like, this is your primary focus. So I'm just curious, what has it been like taking on this, this project full time?
1: Yeah. So again, you're catching me at a really interesting transitional period because like I had alluded to at the beginning of this conversation, I left the Atlantic early this year. I had enough opportunities coming up with Well Read that I thought, you know, now is the time. I am not married, I do not have a mortgage, I don't have kids, like it's just me, so like the time is nigh. And opportunities came up, but then the pandemic hit. So um, me and my business partner, Beth, she's not my business partner in well-read, but we're collaborators on a lot of things, um, started Virtual Wellness Week, which, you know, actually did sustain me for maybe three or four months. Um, during the early pandemic, I was so scared about being able to, you know, pay my rent, which is something that I've not had to worry about before. And again, puts a lot of things, puts a lot of things in perspective there, Juliana. So that was a big pivot. And I have to say that I think a lot of times, and I I too did this, I put Entrepreneurship on this like really beautiful pedestal where I don't think anything belongs, you know. Pedestals make things untouchable, make things delicate, make things seem perfect, and it's and it's not. So after this road trip, <laughs> which I eventually took because again opportunity aligned, my lease was up. Um, my partner Isaac had sort of reached the end of his rope with his job and left. And we, we thought, again, we don't have a mortgage. We're not married. We don't have kids. We're gonna go on this road trip now. And we lived out of the van. So we thought it's also probably the safest way to travel. We're not gonna see anybody. We'll live out of the van. We're gonna camp. We're gonna, we're gonna cook all for ourselves. So this is a long answer to your question, but-
0: Oh no, I love it. <laughs>
1: uh, Now I'm realizing that it doesn't have to be all or nothing with entrepreneurship. And I'm actually in search of full-time jobs again because I found that right now in this season of my life, I'm craving a little bit more stability and I'm craving the feeling of both of my feet being on the ground. And that's not something that at this very juncture in the middle of a pandemic, we're going back into a shutdown, I don't think it's feasible for me to do, especially with a lot of like the emotional things that I'm going through. And I think that collectively we're all going through. I think that it's a, a huge success to just continue to survive and keep your head above water. I think that we have unrealistic expectations as a society about what's gonna be coming out of right now. So to pull a collective thread through, I began the year, ripe and ready, prepared to like really give entrepreneurship as a 100% deal a full shot. You know, in earnest, I think I I truly did it and did it successfully for the first six months and then realized that my priorities had shifted and that's okay and that's not something to feel embarrassed about. Um, Took this road trip, which was really freeing and opened up my eyes and gave me lots of perspectives in many more ways. (laughs) I've never been more thankful for indoor plumbing, but now I'm looking for there to be an opportunity for me to both be stable and to be creative and playful. So that's where I am at this current season in my life.
0: Wow. It's interesting hearing about how things started at the beginning of the year and how they've changed So I guess you were talking about some of the emotional things that you were going through. And I know that you posted um, from the well Red account that you were having some challenging feelings while you were on the road. And Mm -hmm. I'm just curious if you can talk a little bit about those. And because right now it seems like you, at least telling this, you're able to articulate your feelings and it seems like you have worked through them. But I'm curious kind of what that looked like.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'll give you a very crystallized story, which is when I actually took a very concerted break from putting anything out there in the well-read world. And I'm, I'm getting ready to, as I've been able to have some more time to be introspective, introspective, dip my toes back into the water. But there was a moment when we were in right outside of Portland, Oregon. So arguably in my favorite neck of the woods of our country in the Pacific Northwest. And I was in the back of our car in a very like public parking structure. We had just posted up there for the evening. And I had just gotten a moment for myself for the first time in like a month and a half. I love my partner, but we were living together in a little, in literally a minivan a Chrysler Pacifica, not even one of those sexy vans that you see revamped on the internet. (laughs) And I was like, oh, my gosh, okay. I can breathe for a moment. I haven't been able to be by myself for over a month. And everything is crammed. I have a service tumbler filled with old coffee. And as I'm trying to, like, stretch out and relax, I kick it over and, like, coffee gets all over our blankets that we had just done at a coin laundry and i and i lose it like i begin dry heaving i've had i've had anxiety attacks in earnest in the past um they're typically linked to financial anxiety which again is heightened when you're on a road trip like when you're on a road trip and unemployed um but this was the first one that i had on the road and it was like an explosion of everything and again, even though I was in my car, we were in this very public structure, like of of a parking structure. And I was like, people can see me like, I'm on this amazing journey that I'm so privileged to go on. How lucky am I to get to do this? And I still feel heavy, I still feel anxious, I still feel all of those things that I felt about money, about my future, about our collective future, um, before I went on this trip. And again, I I had this very romanticized idea of like, when I go on this trip, no worries, like Hakuna Matata, like, it's all good. And I think that the post you're referring to is, is the quote that has been attributed to many different types of people. But in summation, it's wherever you go, there you are, like you bring your shit with you. And I certainly brought all of my shit and put it in a minivan. And tried to tuck it away into a little corner of it and act like it wasn't there, but it was. So I think that that was such an an illustration that you can run, but you can't hide from yourself. And another huge thing is that a lot of these feelings have been bubbling up recently because I just... Let's see. I have a tracker on my phone. I think it's been 210 days since I actually stopped drinking alcohol. And so when you also take these tactics to numb yourself off of the table and they come to the forefront and again there's nowhere to freaking run. Like it's not like a recovery thing. It's more like I'm choosing to to not do this and I don't have an end date in mind, you know, where mm-hmm. whereas when I had done like sober January or sober October or had done like month stints where I just wasn't drinking, I knew that there was an end in sight. And ironically, everybody was like, so what's your first drink going to be? When oh, you're yeah. I'm doing this like month long thing. And it's like, how ironic is it that like your reward for not doing something is then doing it?
0: Yeah. Um, <laughs> like whole 30 people plan to like eat all the things they weren't that month yeah yeah yeah. Mm -hmm. I've
1: I've done whole 30 and I've done exactly that um Mm -hmm. but I was really curious about what life would look like during quarantine when I wasn't able to like self-medicate and Mm -hmm. and drink and I thought like what better opportunity to do it than during quarantine when like we weren't going to bars and like we weren't going to beer gardens and when that wasn't so central to, to being social Mm -hmm. and I'm a little nervous about like going back into the real world, but I think that that's also been a really good, good thing to introduce because it requires me to do something that most people don't do. And to my guns and, like, not offer explanations, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't drink and owing nobody anything. And that's really strengthened me being able to say, like, I'm not doing this and I don't need to give you six reasons why I'm not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just not. Um, So that's been an interesting element of quarantine. And, like, I was talking about be- before... I think drinking like has always exacerbated like any Mm -hmm. mental health struggles that I was having, but for a little, for a little while, it made me feel better. And so now not only, I feel like not having that crutch, not only like takes away that little moment where I, I felt like, okay, like it's all good, but amplifies the mental, like mental health, things. But I think it also gives you an opportunity to be like, wow, my anxiety really needs me right now. <laughs> wow. My yeah. compulsive uh, tendencies really need some tender, loving care and really need to be addressed. Like what's triggering this in me? What's bringing this up in me? So I think it's also, and I'm so grateful that there's more conversations about people who choose not to drink. Mm -hmm. I think that hearing stories from people who are in recovery and sobriety is so valuable. That's a really brave and life-saving choice to make. I think that hearing stories from people who just decide that it's no longer for them is valuable um, and, and everywhere in the spectrum. And I'm always learning. I think that there's so many layers to the, to the, to the community of people who don't drink alcohol that I'm constantly learning. But that's been a actually a big part of, of my life and me sort of reclaiming parts of my identity. So a lot of anxiety came up during the trip, but when I realized that a lot of it was coming from self-imposed pressure, nobody, nobody cares about you as much as you care about you, right? Um, self-imposed pressure about, I'm going on this trip for Well-Read. I need to like really make the most out of... This content, like take these photos, figure out how to do reels. Maybe should I get on TikTok? Like these are the these these are the thoughts going through my mind. And I wasn't there, really in earnest. I wasn't there. And I was like, what? The, what is the freaking point of this trip? Like it's not to be behind my cell phone. And you know, if people miss seeing me on the well read account, there, like amazing but it's not going to change any, you know, it's not going to ruin anybody's life if I take personal time for me. And I always feel really appreciative when I see people model, I'm taking time for myself. This isn't, this isn't good for me right now. This isn't fun for me right now. Um, and the internet's a weird place to live in right now. Instagram is a weird place to be because it's supposed to be this idealized version of your life that we're living. And we're, right now we're in this landscape where, you know, racial injustice is becoming so broadcast, which is great, because it hasn't been for so long. We're living in that space. We're living in a very fraught political climate where, you know, democracy and fair elections are being called into question. Um, And to me, I was like, I don't want my contribution to be me trying to post this like shiny life of myself out, out there. I was like that doesn't feel right to me and I'm just not going to do it. And I don't know at this moment in time how to responsibly participate in this like ecosystem that we've built on on the internet um, and so that's something that I'm that I'm grappling with. But again, a very windy answer to your question but I hope that there <laughs> there's some helpful info in there.
0: I think all of this is it's so helpful. Um, I think when I it's, – it's interesting. When I reach out to you, I – like, oh, she's so cool. She has this, you know, this company. Like, that's mm-hmm. so um, – that's what I, like, would love to do someday. And I think mm-hmm. you actually being honest about the challenges that it's brought into your life, especially, yeah, during this pandemic. I mean, like, having to worry about your paying your rent for the first time, that's something – that's unfamiliar for a lot of people. So no, I I think this is so valuable. Um and thank you for opening up because there's a lot of a lot of personal things that you're sharing and yeah, I just really appreciate it. But I think <laughs> it really speaks to not only with social media, but just the whole like how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing well. And there's so much to uncover beneath that. So I I mean, I really um just listening to you talk, I feel like you are just a very genuine person, and I can it seems like you really do the reflection, like the the work mm. deep down um because when you speak it, you're just very articulate. and uh, yeah, that's something I admire. So thank you for sharing. And I'm sorry that things have been challenging for you. So you said right now you're at this pivotal moment with well read, where you, um, are looking to find a full-time job. So then I guess I'm wondering, do you have any long-term goals for Well-Read or are you more focused on kind of getting on your feet and getting a little more grounded?
1: Yeah, I think that I'm looking at both at the same time right now. I think that in the short term, I'd like to get to a point where I'm not in this like financial scarcity mode, which is something that, well, financial scarcity mode is something that I live in And I have lived in since I was a child. Um, And the beautiful and painful gift of this is that I have to really grapple with my worth as a human being right now, not being tied to money, which is a lesson that I think I've been uh, presented over and over and over again. And many times made decisions based on like, well, what will make me the most money? and done what would make me the most money and ended up being like I just put on golden handcuffs there so right now my goal is to find a full-time job that feels like I'm getting paid fairly that feels exciting and feels right and doesn't feel like I'm I'm making it out of desperation financially which has been what I've done a lot of times and I will underscore this by the reason that I'm able to do this right now is because I am, you know, living at home with family. And that is something that I can acknowledge that I'm so grateful to be able to do. I mean, again, it confronts us with this imposed plan of like, you're almost 30. Like, shouldn't you own a house? Shouldn't you like be engaged? Shouldn't you, you know, you can insert whatever, like artificial timeline upon, upon that age. But I'm really lucky that I have a family where I can, where I can stay here and know that I'm safe and know that I'm taking care of and that I have the luxury of waiting for a job that, that feels exciting to me. So that's like priority number one right now is stay, staying true to the vision that I have for my life that I've really reflected on um, and being patient and not making a decision. Like I said, out of financial scarcity mindset and my vision for WellRead is for it to continue to be something that I feel creative with, you know, a lot of times in a job, at least the jobs that I've taken, some of them have not been super creative and it's been such a creative outlet for me. I think that a lot of times when you talk to people who feel grounded and centered and happier more times than not they have something that's just for them and so right now I'm looking for a way to get back to well-read where that's what it is for me I think I lost my way when I was living my whole life on the internet as so many of us are right now (laughs) I really lost my way I let it be I let it be everything instead of you know, added color. I let it be the whole painting. So I hope that answers your question.
0: Yeah, no, it definitely does. Um, so I think I, I'm, I mean, I'm kind of reflecting as I go, but, yeah, sure. um, I, I think that this, as, as I'm listening to your story, it's just like, this is all part of your like well-read journey, right? Mm-hmm. Like I think, well-read in your life, it sounds like you've really put a lot of thought into what you want things to look like. And I just feel like well-read will be so much better because of that, right? Like you Mm -hmm. acknowledging and finding that balance. Um, Because it's interesting, because that was going to be one of my questions is how do you balance work and relationships? And also, I think something we can add in there is like the desire to be creative and independent. Mm -hmm. Um, And it sounds like that's something you're kind of still navigating or trying to find balance in.
1: Yeah. And I have a sneaking suspicion that it will be a song and a dance for the entirety of my life, because there's going to be new elements that get folded in there. You know, I'm a conversation that I'm now starting to have with myself because of a very real biological clock is do I want to have children? And I do not know the answer to that. I think that there are a lot of people that are like, Yes, and there are a lot of people that say, no, um, both valid answers, both very normal. You know, I think one is far more normalized than the other, and I'm sure that everybody listening to this <laughs> knows which one that is, but I don't know if I want that. And so like that's another thing that I'm grappling with. That's another thing that could potentially layer in um, do I want to buy a house? you know that's that's another thing that could potentially layer in, but right now everything is fluid because I don't have a very, like, I don't have a very structured day. So again, because I have the luxury of not having to worry about where my rent comes from, I'm trying to get into the practice of, okay, like, what do I need to do today and when do I want to do it? So for example, at the beginning when I, I, right when I got back from the trip last week, I was like, I'm going to make my day look like a nine to five. I'm going to do my workout at eight at 9am. I'm going to like read my newsletters and then I'm going to find the people that I need to connect with on LinkedIn for potential jobs. And then I'm going to write the cover letters and then I'm going to do it and then like, you know, I'll end a little early because why not get crazy? End at 4 p.m. And then that'll be that. And that didn't work. Like every time I try to impose something that I think I should be doing, like it just, it doesn't work for me. So I'm trying to be a little bit more fluid. Um, But I think your, your question is more about how I can answer I can answer that about how I did it in the past when I did have a full-time job. I was doing well-read. I teach bar classes as well at Bar 3 in D.C. Um, and how did I maintain relationships with family, friends, and, and loved ones, which is really hard. Um, and I think there's always one that takes precedence. Like, to say that, like, I haven't even split amongst all of them would be a freaking lie. Um, But it ebbed and it flowed. And I think the ones that always simmered towards the top were family and friends. I think that's some, because, because to me, without connection, without the ability to like be with people, successes mean nothing to me. So that always, that always hovered towards the top of the pile. And then I think, you know, I think it was because of like the job. And again, like, I love the company where I was, but like, in terms, I'll, I'll answer your question about balance, and take it to a rewind of when I had a full time job, and was balancing well read and relationships and teaching bar. And in truth, nothing was ever perfectly balanced. In some moments, certain sectors of my life got more attention than others. And it was normally the ones that were a little bit more on fire than, than the others. Like those are, those are what got attention. But I think the thing that stayed consistent was that family and friends stayed at the top of the pack consistently. I'm a very relationship-driven, relationship-centric person. So those always stayed at the top of the pack. And then everything else sort of had its season. And honestly, I think that it sort of went by in weeks. When there were event weeks, leading up to it marketing getting all of my logistics in place all of that stuff while red took precedence over perhaps my full time job and i would sneak time during lunch you know i would take those extra minutes where you know you're sitting at a desk for the entirety of the day you're not going to be working for 100% of that time i would sneak time there and then bar thankfully i knew when that time was scheduled you know, I, I knew when I was going in, I think I do a lot of work to make sure that my classes feel authentic to me, that the music is good, that the choreography is engaging, but accessible. Um, and that takes, you know, a couple of hours. And I'll typically do that on like a Sunday evening. And that actually is something that recharges me because it requires me to be alone. So I hope that answered the question about balance. You know, it's a, it's a word that gets thrown around a lot. And I think will always because we're striving for, for things that are outside of the realm of possibility. And would I like to have balance? Absolutely. Um, But I don't think I've ever really had it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. It's definitely aspirational. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, I, I've never taken one of your bar classes, but I love bar three. Like it's, So it's the best bar. Well, I, I
1: would say this. Him. Yeah. I I used to teach another, another type of bar, and I love bar in general. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I really do as a former ballerina and actually the daughter of a ballerina. My mom still teaches classes, oh. was dancing professionally until she popped me out, um, <laughs> you know, it it lets me feel connected to that community in a way that's not so intense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I would love to have you in class. I'm actually speaking with uh, my studio manager soon about getting back on the schedule. And you know what? I'll send you a recording because I did a couple of recordings at national parks while I was.
0: Oh my the- goodness! Really cool. Yes, I would love that. Okay, so let's see. Also, I just want to say, like, this has been so nice like I really I guess I don't know what I was expecting (laughs) but um I just appreciate how like open and transparent you've been because it's a lot of yeah you're just really um it's just really sweet I appreciate you opening up because I know it's sometimes hard um
1: you're making me (laughs) feel comfortable so that's also kudos to you
0: (laughs) good who do you admire or look up to
1: oh So, I think that it's important to have, like, real people in your life and then people that are still real people in real life, but, like, not actually connected to you. So, there are a couple of people. um, Actually, my studio owner is one of them, Alicia. Um, I think she's the first person who has actually felt like a mentor to me. And I actually haven't ever been, like, officially, hey, will you mentor me. That would be great. But for a long time, I felt like I was floundering because I would hear people in conversation. Oh, my mentor said this. I asked my mentor this question. I was like, where the hell is my mentor? <laughs> I was like, where are they? And she was the first person who I saw make really courageous career shifts, go into a completely new industry, and absolutely do so with intention and she doesn't command respect in the way where she's like overbearing at all but she does so because she cares about people so much and you want to do your best work for her it's not in it's not in a way where you feel guilted um or where you are doing it out of fear I think that part of the reason why I felt as though I was untethered in having a mentor is because I think a lot of people that I've worked with have operated from a fear. Like you You will respect me out of fear versus you will respect me out of admiration and out of respect. So when I saw this model from her, I was like, dang, I really admire you and you know, do I want to own a studio one day? Honestly, maybe, but even if that turns out to be a, not one of my goals, I think that she has been such a successful business person who leads from the heart that even if that's not a goal of mine, I, I hope to lead people with the same compassion and warmth and conviction that she does. So she's one of those people who's like real life people that like I know and can and can touch and can hug um. Mm-hmm. You know, like cheesy answers. Like my mom and my dad are people that inspire me too. You know, I had alluded to my mom. Um, She immigrated here from Chile when she was, my God, like 22 years old, and literally followed one of the most sought-after careers. I mean, like how many little little children say, like, I want to be a ballerina, and how many people actually do it, and I don't think that I've really been able to grasp and appreciate the magnitude of what she did until now. And I'm so grateful to have, to have her as somebody to look at in that, in that capacity, you know, it's a hard thing to do and to do it in a country where you don't know the language, where you barely know anybody is pretty freaking amazing. So she is the person that shows me that like you can do really hard things. She shows me that. And then of course my dad, I think that there's no greater story of like trust or resilience in my life than him. You know, he's had many health struggles and has a lot of, has a lot of faith in the universe in himself and has gotten himself literally back on his two feet and, and back and communicating with people after, you know, a heart attack, after leukemia, after a stroke. And I think those are things that, I mean, I know those are things that kill people, that debilitate people. And I think that his spirit is so strong that he didn't let that, he didn't let that happen. So those are the three people I think, like, within within my tangential corner um, I can look to. And then... I mean, I'm actually having trouble thinking of somebody like a celebrity or like a philanthropist or or anybody. Um, actually, no. I actually do have a lot of respect for um, AOC. <laughs> She's actually somebody who I think of a lot when I think of somebody who lives their values. And I think that she could be considered a a controversial pick, but... I, I think that she is somebody who walks the walk in the fact that she has real life experience. You know, she was in the service industry, which is really challenging and is something that a lot of people do and is working so that people are living with dignity. You know, that's something that's very important to me as well. She sticks to her guns and she sticks up for herself and for other people, really unapologetically so. and she's also a champion for our environment, which is a huge passion point for me and is something that I've talked about with What well a lot. And I think that being in DC, she's also somebody who feels super like aspirational, but not so far away. And she's, I think she's, she's, bucking, so many, she's bucking so many norms, which is doing a service for everybody. You know, you don't have to be an old white man to be a congressperson. You know, like you don't have to have had political experience like you can be a waitress who fell in love with politics, volunteering for a grassroots organization, a grassroots campaign, and then start one of your own. So. Those are my yeah.
0: answers. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, she's very inspirational. Mm-hmm. And your family also sounds like both of your parents both sound very inspirational as well. I love so. them. <laughs> <laughs> All about those relationships. Yeah. <laughs> um, I know you mentioned you're at the end of your 20s. So I'm wondering, do you have any advice for friendships and relationships in your 20s, especially as you're acclimating to life as an adult and that transition?
1: I've thought about this so much (laughs) recently. And as I'm nearing this weird end of an era that I think is like not even the end of an era, um, and looking back at me exiting college. I think I would say just because you were really close friends with someone at one point in time does not mean that you need to remain close always. You can love somebody from afar and establish boundaries. Um, It's not about quantity. Like if you're friends with everyone, like you're not really friends with anybody because then you're not really being yourself. <laughs> um you're kind of like acclimating and being a chameleon and that's definitely something I did when I was younger. I I think that I've been a social chameleon um for a great part of my life because something that I've been grappling with now and I think I will continue to grapple with is being like a mixed race kid and you know acting you, you know, like the kids around me to try and fit in and never really feeling like I fit anywhere. So I think that definitely led me to tendencies where I would just try and, and please the people around me. And I thought like, if I have a lot of friends and that means that I'm likable, that means that I'm okay. That means, you know, that I'm, that I'm cool. Uh, so that's definitely how I felt for a really long time. And as I'm getting older and realizing that, you know, people will fall by the wayside. The more true to yourself you become, um, is not a bad thing. Can it be painful? Yes, one thousand percent. It can be really, really painful and really heartbreaking. But at least you know you're doing it from a pa- place of authenticity versus a place of of false, of false faces and masks. Um, and then yeah, I think that those are like the biggest lessons that I'm that I'm learning now. Like, and relationships like change in their nature. Like, I definitely have friendships where at one point they were one of like my closest confidants and like best friends. And then as time goes by, I'm like, should I be putting more effort into this to, the, into this relationship? They're not putting as much effort in any, any anymore are we just going apart? Like, is that a problem? Is that something I should work on? And I think realizing like they will ebb and they will flow too is, is yeah,
0: a challenge. That's great advice. Um, okay. So kind of bouncing back, I just <laughs> thought of this as you were talking. I am curious like with I know this has been a unique time but in general do you have a dream job that you would like to pursue
1: Oh man <laughs> I don't think I know what it is yet like I wish I wish I had an answer for you um because I would I would also like to know the answer I think right now um I wish I had the notebook nearby so I could just show you, but I have a list of things that are like non-negotiables and like my next job, and so that's sort of the template that I've been working from. You know, like I, I, I don't say, oh, I want to be a Congressperson or oh, I want to be a talk show host, Mm -hmm. Uh, but for example, some of those things that I have like jotted down in my, you know, what I'm actually just gonna try and find it. So some of the things that I've (laughs) jotted down in my notebook are like very small minutiae things that, you know, might seem silly, but I think add up in the long run. Okay, here we go. I have it in here. Okay. So it's funny because I wrote this before the pandemic, but it, re- it remains true. So like some of the parameters. Um, remote work. Optional, not in the office 100% of the time. Um, And I said that because I like to be home. You know, I like to really make my space my own. um, And I don't like commuting. I would like it to be in one of these fields. Health, healthcare, fitness, health technology, entertainment, advocacy. Um, The next bullet point is gives me time to do well read out in the open mission-driven company led by a woman and or person of color having that in, in leadership is important to me um and then again like other things being like I would like for there to be a 401k match because a lot of like companies that I'm interviewing with are like we're a startup and that's all well and good but again like I was saying I'd like to you know in this next next step make a very concerted effort to make sure that I'm like laying a good financial foundation for myself. And then one of them was like not sales driven. So you'll see a lot of these things are like, are knots, which I think for me at least are just as important as what it is. And I think also not having a dream title gives me room to dream. It gives me room to like be open to opportunities and like careers are long. Like they are. And I think that again, like these artificial timestamps that we put on ourselves, of like, I'm almost 30. Shouldn't I know what I'm doing by now? Um, Which is another reason why, like, taking it back to a previous question, Alicia really inspires me so much is because she made the career to become a Bar Three studio owner, you know, well after she was 30. And I was like, oh, and she's really successful. And that's an inspiring point for me to always remember is that like, you're not too old. You never will be too old and it's not too late and it never will be too late. So
0: that's great advice.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: You can look at Jane Fonda for inspiration.
1: Oh, <laughs> you know what? Yeah. Jane Fonda is the goat. Uh, put her on there in the aspirational list with. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I guess we can start to wrap things up kind cool. of coming over the peak. So, how have you been staying well during quarantine? Like, are there any, and I know it's been a journey, but are there any practices that have been helpful to navigate this, this, um, time for you?
1: Yeah. Um, there are some that I've been doing consistently and like one of them is on, I've been drinking so much freaking water so much water and you know, it's great because we're at home and like, I don't have to worry about being out in the world and not having a place to go to the bathroom. Um, <laughs> so drinking water is important. very important. Um, I have been like prioritizing my sleep. Cheers. I see that big jug of water there, girl. Um, <laughs> prioritizing my sleep over, over everything. Like I, used to be like oh I'm fine on like six or seven um I'm an eight or nine girl now you know I got some like blackout curtains I have a sound machine like it's it's over like when my head hits the pillow that's huge um what else has been very helpful um oh I take my I take my phone and my like my watch and everything, and I just like put it away in a corner in the evening. Those things are so tempting. Um, I used to read on like the Kindle app on my phone, and I was like, I can- cannot continue on this way. This, this is not good. Um, journaling has been very helpful. Um, I journaled a lot as a kid, and then I stopped because I was like, I'm not a teenager anymore. And it's like, well, I still have a lot of feelings. <laughs> Just like I did back then. (laughs) So I should probably keep writing about them. Um, Those are things that have been, that I've been doing really, really well. I have been struggling with TV before bed. Um, And that is because there is literally a TV in front of my bed. And uh, my boyfriend doesn't want to move it because he likes to go to bed watching TV. So like SOS, if anybody listening to this has like a tip on these like very dueling priorities that we're experiencing right now, (laughs) let me know. Um, But that's something I would like to do better Um, because that's just like, I can fall asleep quickly but I don't want like the last thing that I've done before bed to to have been watching Great British Bake Show as adorable and uplifting as it is. Mm
0: A great choice, at least. <laughs> okay, so what are some of your favorite books or things that you, books that you think people should read?
1: Okay, um, I'm actually reading it right now. It's a very popular book, so um, I'm sure people have heard of it. "Mating in Captivity, really, by Esther Perel. So she's a, a sex and relationship um, expert and PhD. She has a really wonderful podcast called um, Where Should We Begin?, And I think each episode is a, is a, is an examination of a set of patients, um, with their consent, of course, but mating in captivity is about, um, sex and relationships when you are in like a monogamous relationship. So that's been really interesting. I've been definitely on a psychology kick as of late. Um, that book has been pretty top of mind. I think that. A couple of like the fictional books that I've been reading lately. Let me pull out my my Kindle. Um, Such a fun age is really good. So that's not that's not not so much a self help book. <laughs> are you are you looking more for like fiction or like? I guess just like, <laughs> like
0: books that come to mind when you think of like. I, don't, I think right now a lot of people just like to read and mm-hmm. um, kind of looking for inspiration in anyways, whether it's fiction or. So I didn't know if there were any books that were top of mind that you're like, oh yeah, everyone should read this.
1: Oh yes, okay. Um, <laughs> so I'll restart it for audio purposes. So sure, went, sure. Went a little little haywire there. Okay, so books that I think that folks should read and that have been have really stuck to my ribs lately have been "Where Should We Begin" by Esther Perel. She is a Sex and love expert and um, a psychologist and PhD, and that's about the book is actually called Mating in Captivity. Her podcast is called Where Should We Begin? I recommend both. Um, but Mating in Captivity is about the way we are in relationships. Um, I think that, particularly for people who are in monogamous relationships that are a little, a little bit more long term, it examines the way that we. Express affection and attachment over time, so that's one that's been pretty top of mind because I've been spending like a lot of time with my partner, and time does not equal intimacy, so that's been something that has been top of mind. Um, Maybe you should talk to somebody by Lori Gottlieb is another really fantastic book. She's actually um, a columnist for The Atlantic as an Atlantic alum. I'm a big fan girl of her, but it explores and tracks several patients um, in, her, in her therapy practice, and it provides a lot of, like, really wonderful, actionable nuggets, so that has been fantastic. Sapiens, another excellent book. I'm very on i am on a huge nonfiction kick. Sapiens is just, like, an exploration of who we are as homo sapiens and, like, the history of— why our brains work the way they do, um, and why we are the way that we are, and taking a look behind the evolutionary process that got us to where we are um, those have been those have been very good. I also think that another book that really resonated with me that I've given to a lot of people has been um, More Than Enough by Elaine Walter Roth. Um, She recently got a really great new gig on a talk show, which is exciting for her, but she, a lot of people know her because she was the youngest um, editor-in-chief of a Conde Nast publication, which is a huge achievement, Um, and I really love her book because she's like a woman of color talking about her experience in a predominantly, you know, very elite world of publishing, which I've gotten a little bit of a taste of that is really excellent um and I also identify with a a lot of the book because she's also mixed race as well um let's see those are books that like have been top of mind oh another book required reading um by Gia Gia Tolentino is Trick Mirror so good again nonfiction. I believe it's nine essays about just like the current world and she wrote it um before the pandemic, I believe it was released in 2019, it is so sharp and acerbic. And I think that like, I'm going to reread it. I lent it to somebody and I need to track it down. But I'm going to reread it in 2020, because I feel like it will have aged quite well.
0: (laughs) That's um, actually next on my list. I'm currently reading the book that I got from you, Dutch House, actually. Um, Oh, (laughs) nice. Okay, Dutch House is so good. Um, I follow Gia on Instagram and I just think she's like the coolest person. I have not yet read her book, but I do own it.
1: <laughs> very, very cool. Um, mm-hmm. Let me know once you read it. My favorite okay. essay was the last one.
0: Oh, yeah. this is good to know. Okay. I love essay essay collections. Me too. Um but she's so interesting. Like she's from Virginia, I think, or she went to yes, UVA, yes,
1: which I did too. And I was yeah.
0: like, oh, oh. That's so cool. <laughs> And she also did Peace Corps. Like I've listened to interviews with her, and she's so interesting.
1: I think she did it like in Kazakhstan, and yes. she, had to, she had to get evacuated. It's she touches on all of it in the book. If you if oh, you like really? the interviews, I think that you'll really enjoy reading her book.
0: Okay. Yes, I'm really looking forward to it. So, okay, so just some closing questions. And this is, I feel like you've touched on it a little bit, but I do think it's interesting to kind of wrap things up with. What are your goals over the next five years?
1: Hmm. Very general. Right. I, and a lot of these goals are like not measurable, which is challenging. So I think the first goal is to get into a more abundant mindset about finances. Because I've alluded to this. My mom was a ballerina. My dad was a tuba player both very creative, uh, but was not, not a super stable, like financial upbringing. And I was never wanting for anything, but I was also very keenly aware that we were always sort of like on the edge. Um, so I would like to get to a place where I'm not, my decisions are not holistically ruled by finances. Um, and that does not mean that I'm rich. By any means, but I would like to get to a place where I feel rooted in my self-worth. I feel like I've learned about finances, which has been a real challenge. I think that like when finances are this huge behemoth of a thing that you're like, "That's for people on Wall Street. That's not for people like me. Um, when they feel so far away and scary and out of reach, they remain those things. so um, I think also learning about stocks, (laughs) learning about investing um, are things that will help me feel like I'm a little bit more in control. So in five years, I'd like to be in a more abundant mindset about finances. Um, I'd like to have found a city where I feel like I'm at home, you know, I've been in, I've actually, I've been in the DC metro area for a really long time. I grew up here. I went to UVA. um, I left for a little while to do Teach for America. And then I came back Um, and I'd like to find like a new city. I feel like after having been on the road, that's calling to me. Um, I do not know where that is at the moment, but Mm -hmm. I hope that in five years I will have found it and started to build a community. a community there which would be really nice I would love to yeah I mean it's hard because like I said like right now I'm thinking more of what's the next best step for me like what's the next right. right step um and I have a lot of respect for people that have like huge five-year goals like in five years I want to save like x amount of money I want to buy a house I want to do this I want to do that um, But I think that this year has just like stripped me so raw and stripped so many people so raw that right now um, my focus is on the next right step.
0: Definitely. I think it's interesting your answer about finances really speaks to how financial health plays into your wellness, like your Mm -hmm. overall wellness, or I guess financial wellness of sorts. But um, yeah. I mean, I think those are great goals, and I—that's why I like that it's a, a general question because it's open to interpretation. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> and then the last question is: How can people support you and Well Read?
1: Yeah, I mean, like right now, as I said, we're in a transitional state, so just like follow us on the things. That would be super <laughs> helpful, um, and I'll send them to you. But everywhere, it's just this is Well Read. One word, all lowercase. And yeah, so that's on Instagram, that's on Facebook, that's also the website is thisiswellread.com. You can sign up for our email newsletters where once I figure out what the next right step is heading into the new year, there will be an announcement. But you can find me there and then I'll also send you my personal account, which is just Karina underscore underscore Carlson. On on the ground, but that's sort of where we are right now. I think we're all in an interesting transitional period where we're reevaluating what feels right, what feels important, what feels responsible. You know, I think that being both a conscious consumer and contributor to the internet culture that we've built and that we rely on right now has been very top of mind for me, and I think top of mind for a lot of people. So. You'll be getting updates later. So right now I'm just conscious about what this will be.
0: <laughs> Thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode. I hope that you enjoyed that interview with Karina. Like I mentioned, she is incredible. So make sure to follow her in all the places and support her however you can everything she mentioned about well read and all of her suggestions like books and things like that can be found in the show notes so be sure to check there and i will also add that i did create a bookshop.org page for the podcast so there is a list called podcast guest recommendations where anything that the guests suggest pertaining to books will be included there you can also add that in the show notes if you don't already subscribe to the podcast please do And please also follow us on Instagram at that's my truth podcast, as well as leave a review. If you're feeling inspired to do so, we have one more episode until the new year. So next week will be the last episode of 2020. Pretty exciting. And that's all we've got this week. I got to go tend to my dog who is currently crying and going through the bags in my room. So thanks so much for joining and I'll see you next week.